Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, author Jeff Kinley examines the end of America, and James Collins will have a moment of prophecy. July not only means summertime and hotter days, it also means tough times here at Watchmen on the Wall. Summertime is always tough financially. We need your help, especially this month when families are so busy and some folks even forget about us here at the ministry. My friends, will you please remember us with a financial gift? Your gift will help us get through these summer months and continue proclaiming that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. You can give your tax-deductible gift today when you call 1-800-652-1144, or you can give online, swrc.com. These gifts are how we are able to be here each day, ready to bring clarity to the chaos. Thank you. Will God's wrath fall on America? What happens when a country glories in its immorality, turning away from faith in God and obedience to Him? Jeff Kinley explores historical and biblical precedents for the demise of a nation. One of the most frequent questions that I'm asked is, where is America in Bible prophecy? As we celebrate our nation's independence this week, I've asked Jeff Kinley to be on the program with me to answer that question. Jeff is a Bible teacher, conference speaker, and the best-selling author of 40 books. One of those books is titled The End of America, Bible Prophecy and a Country in Crisis, and he is here today to talk about these United States. Jeff, welcome to the program. James, thank you so much. Good to be with you, brother. Before we talk about the end of America, would you take a minute and tell us about yourself? Would you share your testimony? How did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, thank you for that opportunity. I was not a churched person, you know, like everybody else in the 60s. My parents took me to church when I was like four and five years old, but my parents dropped out of church and consequently so did I. So really for the most of my childhood, I was unchurched and did not know much about God, obviously nothing about the Bible had a God consciousness, but wanted to live my own life, you know, told, I basically told God, you go your way, I'll go mine, I'll call you if I need you. That led me down a path of pursuing my own pleasure and drugs and that kind of thing. So by the time I was 16 years old, I was as lost as you could possibly be. And yet there was a young man in my high school who simply reached out to me and befriended me, became my friend and began finding common interests and common ground that we had together. And through that built a, a real bridge to me. And through that relational bridge, he invited me to go to church and then witnessed to me, told me about Christ, challenged me about my eternal destiny, and and I gave my life to Christ because of him. That was age 16, and literally everything changed for me overnight. And I'd never read anything deeper than a comic book in my entire life, (laughs) and yet I devoured 50 or more books my first year as a Christian at age 16. I'm reading Packer and Tozier and all these guys, you know, so it was a whole new world for me, as well as reading the Bible every day. So yeah, that's basically my testimony. Then the Lord called me into ministry uh, when I was a senior in high school, and after college, went to Dallas Theological Seminary for four years, and I graduated there and became a student pastor for the next two decades, and also senior pastor after that. So after about 35 years of ministry and writing a bunch of books, the Lord called me to do this full-time. So that's what I'm doing, traveling and writing and speaking and podcasting and TV show on his channel. And so lots of irons in the fire. The Lord's, again, keeping me stretched and challenged and busy. 
Well, Jeff, you and your wife, Beverly, have three grown sons. Tell me a little bit about your family. We're blessed with three amazing sons. My oldest uh, is a West Point graduate and was in the Army for a while, and he and his family live close by. They're just doing wonderful. My second son just graduated from law school. He's about to start his law career, him and his wife, in South Carolina. And my third son just had their second child and married his high school sweetheart. They all love the Lord, and we're extremely close. We have a lot of men in our family, so we have some girl grandchildren we don't quite know what to do with. But the Lord is keeping us busy with them as well. So love having a couple of them nearby and a wonderful wife that's been married for 40 years. She's stuck by my side and really supported me in everything I've done in my ministry. Well, Jeff, let's talk about the end of America. I was blessed to write a cover article for this month's issue of Prophecy in the News magazine. The article is titled, Where is America in Bible Prophecy? And I took a lot of flack from some people because I honestly do not see America as being a major player in the end times. And you write about six end times views on how some people see America in Bible prophecy. Let me go through those six and have you comment on each one. First, some believe America to be Babylon the Great in Revelation 18. What are your thoughts on that view? Well, I would just say that the word Babylon is mentioned about 300 times in the Bible. It always refers to a literal city, with perhaps the exception of one time, uh, but it always refers to Babylon. Babylon just simply means Babylon. It takes up 44 out of 404 verses in the book of Revelation, so it's a huge part of Revelation. But I think if we just take the Bible at face value, let the Scripture in its plain sense speak, that Babylon is not a symbol of something. I think it means Babylon. Right. Well, some believe America to be the eagle's wings of Daniel chapter 7. Would you explain that belief? Yeah, in Daniel 7, there's a vision that Daniel has of these four successive kingdoms throughout history. And, of course, when we look at the Scriptures, we can identify kind of who these kingdoms end up being. People think, well, maybe it's a lion. You know, the lion represents England, and the eagle's wings there. We came out of England, so maybe, and our mascot is an eagle, so obviously that must be America. But as we kind of look at the scriptures and we look at history, it's pretty clear that America is not the eagle's wings of Daniel 7. It's also not the great eagle of Revelation 12, 13, and 14 either, do you think? That term, the great eagle there, and his wings refer, I think, to God himself. It talks about the two wings of the great eagle. God calls himself that in Exodus 19, verse 4. And so, you know, all that really to say is that I think we as Americans, and I'll just put this in here, James, we as Americans kind of think we're a big deal, yeah. you know, because we're America after all, right? And we have been a powerhouse, and we have been a player on the world stage for so long, and it just seems almost inconceivable that we wouldn't continue to have that in the end times. And so I think that's one reason why people are very eager to find America somewhere in the pages of Scripture. I've never heard anyone ask, where is Norway in Bible prophecy or some other country like that? It's always, where is America? Very true. I mean, we never hear anything about Brazil or Canada or, you know, some of these other countries in the prophetic scriptures. And so, once again, I think it's indicative of really another problem I think that we have is that we tend to want to put ourselves into the scripture uh, at times and, and see ourselves in the Old Testament or see you know, prophecy in the Old Testament is referring to, you know, one of our presidents today because we think that we're at the center of things. But America is not the center of God's prophetic narrative. Israel is. And so when you see things as being very Israeli-centric, then obviously America has been an ally of Israel, but we're not in the storyline, according to Revelation. You would think God would have made that really, really clear 
had we been the major player in the end times, but he doesn't. And so, yeah, by the same token, we don't see these other countries mentioned. And there are countries that are specifically mentioned. I believe Russia's mentioned. And yes. We have Iran and Persia and other countries that are, but they are a part of that end times narrative. It's not like God is sitting on the throne wrapped in an American flag. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think sometimes we tend to be very Western in our approach to our faith and not understand its Middle Eastern, ancient Near Eastern roots and how when you go really take your Bible from Genesis 12:3 all the way to Acts chapter 2, everything in that big, thick portion of Scripture is really about Israel. We're sort of, you know, the Gentiles and, and the church and the mystery of the church. We're part of the after part of that in the Scripture. But, yeah, once again, I mean, people really do think that we're just some sort of prime player in the end times. And it is humbling, to be honest. I mean, Scripture says we're grafted in as Gentiles to this original plan that God had. And so I think part of it has to do with what does happen to America that would cause her not to be a part of that end times narrative. People think that America could be one of the seven heads of Revelation 13. People think that it could be the tall and smooth-skinned people of Isaiah 18, the young lion of Tarshish, Ezekiel 38. I don't agree with any of those. Like you, I don't see America as being a major player. So what are some of the reasons for America not specifically being mentioned in the Bible? Well, I think one is just the fact that we're not making a large end times contribution to God's story. Keep in mind, during the tribulation period, this is the 70th week of Daniel, and so God is turning his attention towards Israel again, because as Romans 11, 25, and 26 tells us, there's a partial hardening that's been on Israel during the times of the Gentiles. But once, essentially, the church is removed, God's turning his attention now back to Israel, and everything's going to be centered in Europe and in the Middle East, and not in the West. And so everything shifts. It's kind of like scenes in a movie. It's like you go from this part over here to this part, and you kind of put the other part out of your mind. It's part of history. So when people try to say, well, maybe it's, it's one of those seven heads of Revelation 13, well, you know, when you read in Revelation 13 and 17, we can identify actually who those nations are, because mm-hmm. John tells us that five of those nations have already fallen. We can that is Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, Medo-Persia, and Greece. He said one of them is, that would be the present tense of his day, that would be the Roman Empire, and then one of them is yet to come, which will be Antichrist Kingdom, which is his ten-nation alliance there. So those are easily identified there. But I think what's going to happen, to be honest, James, I think that as we kind of work through all the theories, you know, each theory just kind of falls apart. I think that probably the most tenable one, if there was one of these, is that last view that America is sort of the young lions of Tarshish, and the idea that Tarshish, and with all its villages or all its young lions, sometimes it's translated, would be a reference to England and Holland and Spain sort of across the pond offshoots, you know, or children that they birthed. That would probably be the best evidence, but even there, it's really, really stretching it to authoritatively or conclusively say that America is, is mentioned there in that prophecy. So it begs the question, well, then, where is she? You know, what has happened to America during this time? And I think that's really the question we have to focus on. I have always kind of held the belief that perhaps the rapture happens, and since America has a – we're declining in Christianity in this country, of course, but we still have a large portion of our population – as being Christian, if that portion of the population is taken out, perhaps that's one of the reasons we're ineffective as an end times player. 
No, I agree. I think what we see is sort of a twin railroad tracks that are going at the same time. On the one hand, we are declining and decaying morally at an alarming pace. In fact, the church attendance levels right now are the lowest of the entire history yes. of our country percentage-wise. The new poll just came out that says fewer Americans are believing in God than they ever have before. The amount of people that are identifying as something as other than heterosexual has doubled in the past 20 years, where now upwards to 10 to 12 percent of the population say there's something other than a straight male or female. You have, of course, the abortion battle is still going on. And I mean, as we speak, the Supreme Court has just made this decision about returning the abortion debate or battle to the states, to the local state grounds, which is a great thing, but it's going to really ignite new little brush fires in all 50 states, as opposed to it being just kind of a general discussion. So that's going to continue to be a battle. We're going to continue to see abortions happen. All that to say, you've got this one storyline that America is imploding, and as some historians have said, countries don't always die from murder. Sometimes they die from suicide. And we've been steadily, I think, imploding and decaying and becoming more and more depraved and really just living out Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, for many, many decades. So that's going on. On the other side of the coin, though, as you mentioned, there are a lot of Christians in America, and God has his people everywhere. And if some statistics are right, that there's upwards to 10 to 12 percent of Americans that do claim to be evangelical Christians, well, that's 30 million people right there. Well, what would be the impact of 30 million people in our country all of a sudden just disappearing, vanishing from the planet. And it's not just from, you know, they're all stationed in Kansas somewhere. We're everywhere, all across the board, in government, in the military, in education, in science, in the arts, in every area of our society, all of a sudden, that's removed. And it's like taking out all these bricks or like these old Jenga pieces. You take these pieces out, well, the infrastructure is going to come crashing down. And I believe that's what's going to happen to America is that the rapture is going to be essentially God's final judgment on America. I think he's judging her right now with his abandonment wrath and removing a lot of his influence in certain places, but he's working through the church, I think, to create that righteous remnant, and we are having a voice. But, James, I don't think it's as powerful as it once was decades ago. So when the rapture happens, essentially, I think America is going to implode financially and culturally and morally and as Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit is gone. And so all hell literally will break loose. It will be Mardi Gras on steroids. Every man will do what is right in his own eyes. There will be riots and chaos and looting and vandalism and murder in the streets. There will be martial law that surely will be called in. And so it's going to have a massive effect on our country and this incredible void that's going to happen. So that will either cause us to be so weak that we are not a player on the major geopolitical scene anymore, or it will give another country the opportunity to perhaps invade or conquer us in some way, or at the very least, we will just be absorbed into some other coalition to be ultimately a part of Antichrist's kingdom. So that's kind of how I see this thing playing out. Well, I would agree with you. You write in The End of America that history is filled with nations that have rose to power but eventually crashed, collapsed, or were conquered. And then you give a couple of reasons which you just discussed for the fall of nations, their decline spiritually and their decay morally. 
And you write that our country's very foundations are cracking beneath our feet. You coin a term, culture quakes. What do you mean by culture quakes? It's the idea that, you know, just like with seismic shifts in the tectonic plates of our world, that culture is the same way. And when those plates shift, then it reverberates throughout the rest of the land. And so what's happened culturally is because we have deviated from God's standards and we have rejected God's Word and even the fact that God even is and that He can be the Creator, because we've done that, it's caused our culture to shift and it's created these fissures that have opened up essentially out of which has poured all sorts of evil because our government used to be a government that stood back behind the church, behind Judeo-Christian values, and in essence said, we're going to back you up on this. And, you know, even non-Christians held a certain moral codes as far as the culture goes. We're no longer in that state, James, anymore. And so I like to put it this way, is that we used to have the home field advantage, and sort of we had more fans on our side than there were on the other side, but that's greatly shifted to where now we're playing on the opposing team's field and we're in hostile territory and Christians are being marginalized and our values are being voted out for the most part and, and Christians are being canceled. And so now we're at a point where the culture itself has changed. And as it says again at the end of the book of Judges, every man did what is right in his own eyes. Genesis 6, 5, it says every thought of every person's heart was only evil continually, and I think we're in that kind of spirit right now where every person is their own God, they make their own decisions, and no one can tell them what to do, the least of which God or His Word. My guest on the program today is Jeff Kinley. We've been discussing his book, The End of America, and you can order a copy right now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. This is a great and very timely topic, so we're going to have Jeff back with us next time. Thank you so, so much for being on the program with me today. It's my pleasure. Anytime. More insight from Jeff Kinley on the end of America next time. Jeff Kinley's new book, The End of America, Bible Prophecy and a Country in Crisis, is our featured resource today. Jeff Kinley explores historical and biblical precedents for the demise of a nation and addresses pressing questions such as, how did we get to this point? Is America in Bible prophecy? Will Christians face widespread persecution here? What effect will the rapture have on America? And how should I respond to the moral decline? This forthright survey of current events and trends offers valuable perspective on the future of America, along with powerful motivation to embrace the only source of lasting hope. Order your copy of The End of America by Jeff Kinley today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Things in life are accelerating, from time moving faster to more population, even knowledge is increasing. James Collins is here to look at this acceleration in today's moment of prophecy. Have you noticed how almost everything in life seems to be accelerating? Knowledge has exploded. We are traveling faster and farther than ever before. 
Instant worldwide communication has become commonplace. The power at our disposal is mind-boggling. As crazy as it sounds, it even seems like time is running faster. The Bible teaches that this acceleration of life which we are now experiencing will be a sign of the end times, a sign that will signal the soon return of the Lord. The Bible says in Daniel 12:4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. In this verse, the Lord tells Daniel that one of the signs of the end times will be an acceleration of travel and knowledge. The same concept of end-time acceleration is found in the New Testament. Jesus spoke about it when he talked with his disciples about the signs of the end times that would herald his return. In Matthew 24, Jesus mentioned a great variety of signs, spiritual, natural, societal, world political. And then in Matthew 24, 8, he said these signs would be like birth pains. Any mother knows that as the birth of a baby approaches, the birth pains increase in two ways. They increase in frequency and they increase in intensity. So Jesus was saying that the closer we get to the time of his return, the more frequent and intense the signs will become. There will be more earthquakes and more intense ones. Likewise, things like famine, pestilence, and war will increase in frequency and in intensity. In mathematics, this is called an exponential curve. This term comes from what happens when rapid growth is plotted on a chart. When graphing the growth or decline of anything, the rate of change becomes exponential when it starts increasing or decreasing so fast that the plot line becomes vertical. Now the point is that the Bible indicates that the exponential curve will be one of the signs of the end times, and I believe that we're living in the midst of the exponential curve. So we're living in the end times. Let me give you a quick couple of examples. Let's take population. The population of the world at the time of Jesus was only 200 million. It took 1,650 years for the world's population to double. But after that, it began to double very rapidly because of the Industrial Revolution, which produced modern medicine, which in turn reduced infant mortality rates and increased longevity. The rate of the population doubling has now reached exponential proportions. Again, at the time of Jesus, it was 200 million. By 1650, the population doubled to 400 million. By 1850, the population increased to 1.3 billion. In 1950, the population increased to 2.5 billion. 30 years later, in 1980, the population was 4.5 billion. In the year 2000, the population was 6 billion. Today, the world population has increased to 8 billion people. Again, the key to this phenomenal growth has been modern medicine. Most people do not realize how modern our medicine really is and how radically it has affected our lives. For example, the life expectancy in the United States in 1900 was only 47 years. At the end of the 20th century, it was 77 years. That's an increase of 30 years in life expectancy over a 100-year period of time. Many health problems today that are considered minor were deadly as recent as the 19th century. Appendicitis could kill you back then. 
During the horrible flu pandemic of World War I, over 40 million people died because the flu usually developed into pneumonia, and there was no guaranteed way for treating pneumonia. That's because the very first antibiotic, penicillin, was not discovered until 1928. Life before the 20th century was short and often brutal, often filled with suffering. If you are 35 years of age or older, you have lived longer than the vast majority of humanity. Here's another amazing fact. Two-thirds of all the people who have lived to be the age of 65 are alive today. Let me say that again. Two-thirds of all the people who have lived to the age of 65 are alive today. Another area that is increasing exponentially is knowledge. The prophet Daniel was specifically told that knowledge would vastly increase in the end times, and it certainly has. In fact, we have become so overwhelmed with the flood of new information that it's difficult to find wisdom anywhere because wisdom comes from reflection on knowledge. Did you know that 80% of all scientists who have ever lived are alive today? Every minute they add 2,000 pages to man's scientific knowledge, and the scientific material they produce every 24 hours would take one person five years to read. The scientific journals can't publish all the academic articles that are being written. Many have to limit the articles to just one-page abstracts, and even then, most articles are rejected for a lack of space. Just consider how rapidly knowledge is increasing. From Jesus to 1500, a period of 1500 years, knowledge doubled. From 1500 to 1750, a period of only 250 years, it doubled again. From 1750 to 1900, a period of 150 years, knowledge doubled again. From 1900 to 1950, a period of 50 years, it doubled again. Today, knowledge is doubling every 12 months, every year. That means encyclopedias are out of date before they can even be printed, which is the reason they're no longer printed. Britannica stopped printing encyclopedias in 2010 after 244 years of publishing them. Here is an incredible fact. One Sunday issue of the New York Times contains more information than the normal person in the 19th century was exposed to in their lifetime. The most amazing thing to me in the area of information is the Internet. Using the World Wide Web, I can access the documents of the Vatican in mere seconds. Then in a matter of moments, I can go to the Israeli Museum in Jerusalem, or I can dart back to the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. In short, I can get access to information all over the world without ever leaving my office. Are you taking time for granted? Don't do it. The exponential curve is just one of many signs God is giving us to warn of the soon return of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is James Collins reminding you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The End of America, Bible Prophecy and a Country in Crisis by Jeff Kinley is our featured resource. This forthright survey of current events and trends offers valuable perspective on the future of America. Order End of America when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. 
Tomorrow, Jeff Kinley returns to continue his look at Bible prophecy in a country in crisis. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.